Rabbi Baruch had just finished talking to his Talmidim when he left the room for a moment. Yankel Koslover, one of the Talmidim, decided to speak out about something Rabbi Baruch had just said. I don't agree with Rabbi Baruch, said Yankel Koslover. He said that Hashem dwells everywhere, even where there is dirt and poverty loyalenu. I don't believe this. I believe Hashem is to be found only where there is beauty and well-being. Although Yankel Koslover had not noticed, Rabbi Baruch had re-entered the room. The rabbi said nothing as he took his seat at the table. With a gentle smile on his face, he turned to Yankel Koslover and said to him, Yankel, I'm going to ask you to do something, and I know you will not refuse. Although it is not an easy job, I want you to prepare yourself for a long journey. As it's the middle of winter, I suggest you dress warmly and take whatever you need for several weeks. Furthermore, I suggest you also take with you in a separate package matzahs and wine for Pesach, enough for two people. In due time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give you the understanding that you need. In the hushed silence that followed the rabbi's words, Yankel Koslover stepped forward to receive Rabbi Baruch's bracha, that his journey should be safe and successful. Just a few hours later, Yankel set off on his strange mission, one of those trips into the unknown which was once part of the training of many a young chosid. Snow and ice covered the ground as Yankel Kostler left town, but he was warm inside as he set off, fired with ambition to find the understanding which Rabbi Baruch had promised him. Nothing would turn him away from his search, he promised himself. Day after day, Yankel trudged through bitter cold and deep snow. He passed through shtetlach after shtetlach and forests and plains until he finally reached some mountains. He heard at one of the roadside kretchmas that a party of merchants would be crossing these mountains the following morning. He decided that he would follow them he did not wish to join them and be disturbed by their talk of business. He was in no mood. His thoughts were lofty and serious. It was before dawn when the merchants left the Kretschma. They were dressed in warm fur coats. They had porters carrying their heavy bundles of merchandise and a guide to show them the way. Yankel's coat was not made of fur or even fur-lined, but he did not feel the cold. His enthusiasm kept him warm, and he would not have exchanged his modest baggage for anything the merchants were carrying. Yankel's baggage consisted of a few items of clothing, his Pesach package of matzah and wine, and most precious of all, his tefillin and his siddur. As the sun rose, it became easier for Yankel to follow the trail of the merchants as they began the steep climb 
up the mountain. But towards the end of the day, snow began to fall, and as night approached, Yanko lost the trail of the merchants. He could no longer see them ahead of him. He began to regret the fact that he had not asked permission to go with them, but it was too late to worry about that. He needed shelter for the night, but where would he find shelter in the snowstorm on the treacherous slopes? He began to say words of Tillam, and suddenly he felt three animals run past him and dart upwards. He saw that they were wild mountain goats, so he jumped forward and followed them before the snow would cover their tracks and the darkness of night would fall. As Yankel reached the top of the ledge where he saw the goats disappear, he was amazed to see a large boulder that protected the entrance to a cave. The strong smell of the goats reached his nostrils as he entered, but he was so grateful to find shelter that he didn't care. As his eyes became accustomed to the darkness of the cave, he saw the goats at one end of the cave, chewing some grass and twigs and leaves. There seemed to be a large supply of it there, enough to last for many months. Yankel made his way very carefully around the cave, exploring it until he saw some half-burnt logs, showing him that someone else must have used the cave as a shelter at some point. Then he noticed a faint ray of dim light in the ceiling of the cave above the burnt logs. So that was where smoke escaped through a crack at the top of the cave. This is what prevented the cave from being completely dark. Yankel by now was so tired that he couldn't think anymore. He davened, thanked Hashem for his great and unbounding mercy, and lay down to sleep. When he awoke, he felt completely refreshed, but was very surprised when he looked at his watch and saw that he had only slept for a few hours. He washed his hands in some snow at the mouth of the cave and at once discovered that the entrance was completely blocked with snow. An avalanche must have fallen. It was fortunate that he had a calendar with him, for he realized it might be some weeks before the weather would become mild and the snow would melt from the mouth of the cave. Now he was prepared to settle himself down for some really deep thinking and davening. His sitter was indeed a treasure to him. Not only did he use it for tefillah, but also for learning. And the more he looked, the more he was inspired by the beauty and wisdom of the words and thoughts that his sitter contained. He could hardly believe that he used to say his daily davening like it was just a habit. How blind he had been then. How truly grateful he was now for the time he had to spend undisturbed in the admiration and appreciation of Hashem's wondrous ways. As the days passed by, Yankel and the goats seemed to be equally at home with each other. The goats seemed tame. They even allowed Yankel to milk them. This was fortunate, for their milk was his main food, goat milk and the cheese that he made from it. 
Days went by, weeks went by, until one day Yankel saw, by his calendar, that it was Erev Pesach, time to open his Pesach package. He knew that winter was over. He was almost sorry at the thought that the snow would soon melt and he would be able to leave his home with the goats in the cave. He smiled at the change in himself. Was this the same Yankel Koslover, who just a few weeks ago had declared that in his opinion Hashem could only be found in beauty? He certainly knew better now. As he thought this, he heard a man's voice calling for help. But he was trapped in the cave. How could he get out to help anyone? He remembered then that since it was Erev Pesach, it must be getting warmer outside. So he lost no time. He put on his coat and his boots and tried to kick his way through the snow. He was surprised that with just a few kicks against the snow-blocked entrance, he made a dent and then a hole until he went right through the wall of snow. He grabbed his knapsack, which contained some simple first aid items, and for a few moments he was dazzled by the bright light of the outside world. He cupped his hands over his mouth and began to call. Then he listened and heard a faint call in reply. He realized the sound came from a large rocky ledge just above the cave, and that's how the wounded man's cry could be heard inside the cave. Yankel climbed up and found the man. Even though he was weak from loss of blood, the man told him that he was one of a party of Jewish merchants on their return journey, hurrying to reach a nearby town in time for Pesach. He had become separated from his companions, lost his foothold, and slipped down the mountain slope. It was only Hashem's mercy that had saved his life. He had slipped from ledge to ledge. Otherwise, he would have been dashed to pieces if he had dropped into the ravine below. It was clearly Hashgacha Protest that had held Yankel in the cave for so many weeks so that he could save this poor Jew's life. As the injured merchant was too badly hurt to be moved far, they would obviously have to spend Yantov in the cave. Yankel remembered Rabbi Baruch's foresight in urging him to take Pesach wine and matzah enough for two. Now they would be able to have a Seder in the cave. Yankel was so happy and grateful to have been able to save this Jewish merchant's life, and now also he himself would have company for the Seder. Yankel tore up his one remaining shirt into strips, washed the bleeding wounds of the merchant with snow, and bandaged him carefully. Then he helped him climb into the cave, made up a bed for him, gave him a drink of fresh milk, and the guest fell into an easy sleep. When he awoke after a few hours, the injured merchant was a new man. He had miraculously gained his lost strength. He was delighted to find that Yankel had lit a bright wood fire and had prepared the Seder meal on a table made up of stones with a smooth, flat stone on top. This was something he had never thought would happen. Only that morning, he thought his end had come. 
wounded, abandoned, lying on a ledge in a rocky wilderness, and only a few hours later, he is making a Pesach Seder with what seemed to him like a Malach, but was really Yankel Koslover. Yankel would remember the Seder all his life. Never had he appreciated the words of the Haggadah so much, nor had matzah ever tasted so delicious. And as they drank the four cups of wine, they were filled with the true meaning of the four expressions of divine liberation from human bondage. Long after the guest had fallen asleep, Yankel continued this special Seder celebration as long as the fire burned. As he looked in the fire and recalled the voice of his rabbi, Rabbi Baruch, he could hear him saying, Yankel Koslover, do you still think Hashem dwells only in beauty and comfort? And as Yanko looked about him in the dark cave and smelled the goats, he realized that this place had been a refuge to him for so many weeks and a salvation for his special guest, the merchant. Then, from the depths of a truly grateful heart, he replied, Truly, my revered master, you have opened my eyes and given me understanding. I am now ready to return home.